0: This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church around the world. I'm Greg Musselman. The Iranian government is among the most oppressive regimes in the world. The country has seen widespread protests which have left many dead in recent months and broadcast all over the world. Those taking to the streets are confronting security forces who were angered after 20 year old Massa Amini died in the custody last September at the hands of Iran's morality police over the forced hijab rules. One has to wonder, is this the beginning of the end for that authoritarian regime? Many are praying so, and time, of course, will tell. Meanwhile, it's illegal to leave Islam in Iran, and Christians face constant threat of imprisonment and being falsely charged with acting against national security. Known followers of Jesus are often imprisoned, evicted from their rented homes, and fired from their jobs. And those who leave Iran, especially Christians from Muslim backgrounds, their lives are often in danger until they find a safe country like Canada to settle. And joining me to talk about the many challenges facing the followers of Jesus in Iran is Afshin Javan of Cyrus Call Ministries, which is a ministry bringing the message of God's love through his son Jesus, preaching and also practical things like food, clothing and medicine to refugees from Iran and other nations. Afshin, great to see you. Thanks for joining me on Closer to the Fire from Cologne, Germany. Hey,
1: Greg. It's awesome to be with you. It's wonderful to be with everyone else. Uh, Thank you for having me.
0: Now, I appreciate you as we're getting to know each other. We have some mutual friends, and perhaps we'll talk about that as we go along because you have a strong tie to Canada. You lived here for decades uh, before you moved to Germany. and uh, your story is is amazing. Uh, now before we talk about uh, you know what's currently going on in your homeland, and uh, we have seen the desperate situation as well from Christian refugees, mostly from Muslim backgrounds in Turkey and other places, you're from a Muslim background and you were right. very passionate with the islamic religion right. until you had an encounter with jesus what happened
1: um yeah uh that's right actually i was born in a muslim family but uh, that's very typical in iran uh my grandfather though was a muslim leader my very devout muslim and i came out of iran with uh with a uh, idea that I can come to United States and preach Islam to Christians. Mm-hmm. But on uh, the way, I guess, uh, God had uh, another plan. And yeah. uh, as I came to um, Pakistan, I was uh, there for about two and a half years, then traveled with uh, some 30 illegal passports to Malaysia there. I was called. Just hang on. Is
0: 30 illegal passports? Yes. (laughs) How did you get 30 illegal passports?
1: Well, in Pakistan, you can get anything, you know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, sometimes it's easier to travel with one nationality passport in one country, and it's another nationality. It's much more lenient to another passport, so that's why you change passports. And so, um, yeah, but I got uh, I got caught in Malaysia. I was in jail. Um, while I was in jail, I was praying my daily uh, prayers that uh, Muslims do five times a day. And uh, I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus
0: Christ. And that obviously impacted your life. At what point did your family and friends find out that you had made this decision to follow Jesus?
1: Well, uh, actually, when I became a Christian, uh, uh, within that encounter, the, Jesus, the Lord Jesus told me, uh, I forgive you and I can forgive everyone as easy as he has forgiven me. And so, uh, and he asked me, who's going to tell them? And of course, I was very excited about meeting Jesus Christ. I said, I will go. And then he told me, okay, go, I'll be with you. So I ran from my cell to the prison mosque. And I told all the Muslims in the mosque uh, w- that I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Wow. And since I was one of the leaders and I was teaching them about the Quran, I thought they would follow me. Uh, It didn't go very well, obviously, you know, they tried to kill me. So, uh, but immediately my brother was in prison with me on the trip, Uh, he found out that I became a Christian. And of course, uh, when I was out of jail, the very first time I could get connected with my parents, I told them that I'm a Christian and everyone else that, that I met.
0: So you make this decision to follow Jesus. Uh, You're now back in Iran. Is that what happened? Uh, Or did you come to Canada uh, from somewhere else?
1: Yeah, so I was in Malaysia. And then uh, in Malaysian prison, I mean, while I was in prison, I started sharing the gospel. I started telling stories about Jesus Christ. And I had no idea if these uh, stories uh, are in the Bible or not. I just uh, had this knowledge from these things. So anyways, I would tell them about this and uh, other Muslims began to convert to wow. Christianity and uh, Muslim guards and everyone else got upset with me. So the result became that uh, they called the Iranian embassy on us. And then I met the Iranian ambassador in Malaysia well, of course, I was very, very excited. And uh, the very first thing I did uh, was to tell him about Jesus Christ. And it didn't go very well. Uh, he wanted to have us deported to Iran, uh, according to him, to teach us a lesson. On uh, the um, arrangement they did between the uh, Iranian government and the prison uh, prison guards or the, uh, the I think the, the head of the prison, uh, they took us to the airport and somehow I was placed with my brother on the wrong plane. We thought we're, we're going to Iran and then the plane lands somewhere and I didn't know who these people are and why people were so much shorter. So I asked somebody, where is this? They said Bangladesh. I'm like, where oh. is Bangladesh? I've never heard the name of the country even was 17 years of age and so then uh, i approached a guy who seemed uh, dressed up in uniform and i said uh, is this a nice place he asked for my passport now the Iranian government had issued a false passport in a false name so that when we will be sent back to Iran there will be no trace of us going back to Iran wow. so when they kill you then nothing happens
0: they don't know if you're even in the country then
1: exactly so no what happens is iranian government uh, arranges passports in another name right you cannot trace the person back to the country that they have gone to so then so you arrive and the immigration and the tickets are all issued in that name So when you say, hey, my son or my family member was uh, taken by the Iranian government, then there is no record of that name ever traveling on a plane or passing through immigration. So that is how they have um, managed to hide the killing or the arrest or the the kidnapping of many Iranians. And So um, basically we end up in Bangladesh And I'm holding a passport that belongs to a guy that is 47 years of age, and I'm 17. But the the guy in the immigration somehow miraculously didn't look at it and just stamped the the passport. Even though Iranians need a visa for Bangladesh, he did not even check if I have a visa. He let me into the country. And uh, literally seconds later, a lady approaches me and says, you were talking Farsi with your brother, I said, how did you know that so I have a boyfriend that is Iranian and he lives here and studying uh, to be a doctor. And then he introdu- she introduced us to the boyfriend and the boyfriend uh, helped us get a place. And the next day when he came, he says, hey, what can I do? I said, Look, uh, I was in prison, and when we were there, I was praying, and Jesus Christ appeared to me, and he told me I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so now, uh, all I want to do is find a church. He says, well, this is a Muslim country. There is no church. I said, there should be a church. <laughs> so we searched you know, everywhere to find a church, not knowing after two days of searching that the church is actually literally next door to the hotel that we are staying.
0: Wow! And, was it like and, an under like a, They weren't meeting. Were they meeting oh, publicly a, or or they uh, were meeting an, underground?
1: A, it was an Assemblies of God church. Uh, so it was uh, what was legal by the government, you know, and it was actually the main church in Dhaka Uh, when the pastor is also Cain, I believe he is still pastoring. This is my first pastor, an amazing man of God. Of course, uh, not only that, uh, he's also uh, someone that uh, had, uh, he also had a similar background. So he could understand uh, the, the whole picture of a Muslim conversion and so on and so forth. So it was amazing uh, he took on uh, myself and my brother uh, as new disciples and taught us uh, the Bible and so on and so forth. So we were there in Bangladesh for two and a half years, till the United Nations arranged for us to be accepted by a Canadian government, and we came to Canada finally in 1992 as new emigrants.
0: And the thing that fascinates me about your story, and and I've heard it before, Afshin, where those that have converted from Islam, especially if there's a dream or a vision or something supernatural happens, that there's almost like an immediate calling to ministry. You, You can't help but share what you've learned about Jesus, you know, being under Islam and all the rules, and then coming into relationship with Jesus who said, just come as you are. Is that, is that kind of what, what really stirred in your heart at the very beginning of your relationship with Jesus, yeah. that you just felt so compelled that you had to share the message of his love?
1: Yeah, okay. So, great honestly, I've lived in the West for many, many years and decades now, uh, but this is something that I don't understand how people that become Christian in the West would not want to share because... Uh, I mean, imagine, uh, for me, the picture is like a candle that is not lit, and when you light it and, and you put fire close to it, it immediately starts to shine so how can you not so the reality is uh how can you find jesus christ and not share with your loved ones how can you not tell your neighbors your friends the people on the bus stop the people on the streets because the light that he placed in you it it cannot be contained It just wants to, (laughs) to get out you know and so uh, light is allergic to the table, you know. It doesn't nope. like being placed under a table, I tell you.
0: Yeah, that's something that Jesus said about not hiding our lamp, right? Uh, ah. I, I, I mean, we could go into that, and I and I want to talk about, you know, the current things that are going on, uh, you know, because you just recently in Turkey meeting with Iranian believers from Muslim backgrounds and, and some of the mm. things that you're seeing. And by the way, I'm going to put a link on the uh, episode notes of your testimony, F. Sheen. Uh, and we'd love to get you on 100 Huntley Street as well. Uh, we just need to hear from people like yourself that have had these amazing conversion experiences, you know, and so fired up about Jesus. You know, Canada being more of a secular country and Christianity has been here for a long time, people take it for granted but when you experience it in the way that you did, uh, you know, it's just so, so powerful. And, and, you know, I just love your heart and I know that you have endured a lot, uh, you know, personally uh, because of your relationship with Jesus and relationships with family and friends. And it's not easy decision you've made. And frankly, you understood right away what Jesus meant. We said, take up your cross and follow me myself. When I came to Christ many years ago, 40 years ago, uh, it wasn't that I had this dramatic conversion, but over time, I learned that there was a cost. And, you know, in Canada, we have it in small ways. It, of course, things are changing now. So, again, we're going to put a, a link on the episode notes so people can hear more of your amazing testimony. You spent, you know, 30 years in Canada and now are living in Germany and, and still doing amazing things. So, Afshin, when you see what's going on in Iran right now uh, with the protests, the women, especially, so brave as they're going forward and and protesting and saying, we've had enough of this uh, Islamic regime, we want change here. But then there's been so many people that have been killed. We've heard of those now even being executed. They're tortured and giving these confessions. As an Iranian, when you see what's happening, do you have sort of a, a mixed feeling? You're You're proud of the people that are protesting, but you must be grieved when you see what's happening to your fellow countrymen and and all the death?
1: Of course, uh, it is a heartbreaking uh, fact is this, that uh, when you're seeing the people that uh, speak your language, they have the same culture, they come from the same background, and there is some sort of a connection, you know, in your heart and your mind and memories with these people. Um, and I, I gotta say, I, I do understand, as a Christian, we are citizens of Heaven, but I also right. have a dual citizenship, uh, and I'm a right. Persian, and so it's, it's hard to see, um, it's hard to see these people are uh, suffering yeah. for the most basic human rights. Uh, hey, I want to know, I want to have the right to wear what I want to. I want to have the right to believe in what I want to. I want to have the right to speak the mother tongue that has been spoken for thousands of years. But I mean... Uh, in Iran, you're not, the, uh, the government is not only oppressive of the women with the covering, but also oppressive of a smaller tribal, tribes that lived in Iran, especially like the Kurdish and everyone else. But, um, it is uh, hard to see that they are taking the young people's life so easily. Um, the display of, uh, Every young person that is is being hung or everyone that is being beaten up, it's heartbreaking. But the reality is these are the physical uh, physical display of what has been happening to Iranian young people, Iranian people uh, for 43 years. This this has been this Islamic regime has been doing that emotionally, spiritually, and physically. So uh, at this point, it is uh, also uh, maybe somehow uh, candle, maybe in, in the darkness, saying, I uh, uh, hope, we hope, we stand with these people, and praying as Christians that the, the plans of God would come. That God would hear the cries of his people because there is a covenant between uh, the people of Iran and, and the, the kingdom of God. I mean, the Bible says, I will not forget my servants uh, for a thousand generations. And uh, Cyrus uh, was is one of the servants of God who yeah. built the temple, who released his people from the bondage, and it's amazing that throughout history we see God always remembered the people of Cyrus and the children of Cyrus. And you see the Magi's are the, the first nation that is outside of other nations that are being given a sign about Jesus. And they are the first nation that come and worship their Persians. We also On the day of Pentecost. The first group of people that become believers are yeah. Persians, the Parthians, meet Elamites, all of the Mesopotamia, all of the land uh, Cyrus ruled upon. So there is a connection, you know, with them, um, and so and in Jeremiah forty nine uh, it says that in the last days I will restore my my kingdom, my throne in the land of Elam, which right. is Persia. So there is a connection. Uh, we just want to we want to see God's kingdom come, and we want to see freedom released uh, upon these people.
0: We do, and and you're right. And when uh, you know we think of the connection and our mutual friend Hermos Shariat of Iran Alive, and uh, he's written uh, about that in in his book, and it's it's phenomenal to think that God is going to set His throne up in Iran. And when you see what's going on, especially now, you think, is this the time? When things are going to change, you know, I mean, as I'm watching, and I know my wife and I were watching a a documentary uh, about what's going on in Iran right now and the protests and how brutally the people are being, uh, you know, tortured and oppressed, and it's, it's just absolutely horrendous, but you wonder... Have they gone too far? They they feel like they're losing control. I'm sure that's why they're stepping up uh, this pressure against the protesters. And there's always this tipping point. So we you know we pray that you know maybe this will be the beginning of the end. And because God's plan is going to be worked out, we know that's going to happen. Amen. And it would be Amen. wonderful if we'd see it in our lifetime. We don't know, but God is working. Uh, but in the meantime, uh sheen the church in Iran is maybe the fastest growing church in the world. Um, why do you think that is happening? Is it it because the Islamic Revolution that started in 1979 under the Ayatollah Khomeini, and is it you know more and more brutal over the years? It's is it because of that? And I mean, what what do you attribute to this this real hunger for Iranian people, uh, Farsi speaking people, Persians, Kurds, and others turning to Jesus in in, in incredible numbers?
1: So uh, I I do believe there are a couple of different events that are taking place. The spiritual part is that uh, Iran seems to uh, carry this ministry of of missionary uh, heart. You know, the people of Iran were the first missionaries to China, you know, in 3rd century, 4th century and the oldest uh, church that stands in china was built by the iranians you know so they have wow. this calling of evangelism but let's look at it geographically iran in the in the northwest they have got the turks uh, the azeri people who mm-hmm. are able to speak turkish so we can share the gospel with the with the turkish people and the azerbaijan people We have the Kurds that can speak, bring the gospel to all of Kurdistan, you know, in Iraq, Syria, in Turkey. And we have got the Arabs in the South that can bring the the gospel to all the Arabic speaking lands. In the East, we have got the Baluch and the, the Baluch speak, many of them speak Urdu and uh, Pashtun, so they can bring the gospel to Afghanistan and Pakistan. In the north, a lot of them speak Russian. So if this nation aligns with the gospel and the the message of end times, then they are natural carriers, uh, missionaries, and evangelists to many nations Mm. around. So that's one but uh, I also believe on the, uh, the spiritual part that it seems like that the Iranians, I mean, when I told I mean, there there is something about the Prince of Persia that is written, you know.
0: I remember that from so, the Bible, Book of Daniel.
1: Exactly. So it seems like to be a, a portal, a key place. And so when Iran in 1979 takes this role of Islamic Republic, the first government established in the Middle East as Islamic Republic, and then it suddenly inspires Afghanistan. It inspires all the Arab, uh, other Arab nations into uh, extreme Islamic movement, you know. so uh, So it just seems like it has finished its cycle. And now... Uh, I believe I felt the Lord saying to me, I have heard the cries of the people of Iran after 43 years, the same way I heard the cries of Israel after 430 years. But it's accelerated times, right? And I felt that the Lord saying that uh, the same way I send Moses to uh, bring my people out of the bondage, the message has gone to the people of Iran, to release, uh, the, for the government to release my people. But the same way the heart of uh, Pharaoh was hardened, the heart of the government has been hardened, but the hand of the Lord is upon this and there will be a change. And I am believing and I believe the Church of Christ needs worldwide to stand in prayer, yeah. not for a change of government, but for the release of the spirit of revelation upon the nation of Iran. Because, uh, Greg, uh, for me, I am afraid of an Iranian uh, people that would go through a revolution and get rid of the government and they'd be filled with anger and hatred and Mm -hmm. filled with revenge and would want to do the same thing that the people did in Afghanistan and Iraq after the change of government, wanting to kill others. Mm -hmm. We need to have the killing to stop. We need to have the spirit of, of... forgiveness to be released. We need to see the love of God to come down. And that can only happen if we as Christians pray for the release of the spirit of revelation of Christ upon the nation.
0: Well, that is a good reminder for all of us and, and myself as well, because when I see and hear what's going on in Iran, you know, your your prayer is just get rid of that government. But we've seen in other nations uh, like Egypt, yeah, you change one government and then you get another government that might be as oppressive or worse. I and mean, we've seen it all through the Middle East. We've seen it through North Africa. So I think you're right. It needs to be the spirit of revelation. And, you know, as you were talking about all the languages and the potential you see about Iran and I mean, God is going to use that nation. He already is for sure. We know that's already happening, not in maybe the, in the ways that we will in the future as it's just going to accelerate. But we know that we know what the scripture teaches. We see the fruit of what's happening. And obviously mm-hmm. the enemy sees that too. And, and that has led to the persecution of our brothers and sisters, uh, you know, being imprisoned and, you know, sent off to other parts of the country or, you know, even killed is, I mean, is that what you're saying? Because this is such an intense spiritual situation, that's why persecution is intensifying?
1: Look, you know, uh, Satan is not stupid, you know. Uh, He has placed some of his generals of uh, Persia, and there is one of the lands that we see. There is a prince dedicated from the enemy to this land. Obviously, there is something... About this, I mean, Adam, uh, when he gets kicked out of Garden of Eden, he walks into literally uh, a city that is close to my where I was born. So this land seems to be very strategic. Uh, Or where Abraham came out of is literally across the water from my city. You know, so these, these lands are strategic. Uh, Satan knows that there has been a warfare, and he's not going to let go of that very easily. But uh, the the fact is, we know that the end of the story because we have read the Revelation.
0: Well, that's the thing. We know that uh, in the end, God wins, and God's people uh-huh. win, and there's an there's eternity to look forward to. We know that all the pain and suffering of our Brothers and sisters in Iran and around the world, that's going to be wiped away. We know that from Isaiah. We know that from the Book of Revelation. But in the meantime, this war continues, and our brothers and sisters are suffering greatly. And but again, we see again the the way that God is working in powerful ways. Uh, you know, I, because I have opportunity. You know, I've not been in Iran. I have met with Iranian believers in Turkey, and we're going to talk about. That in just a moment, uh, but even as the church is growing underground, uh, you know, I mentioned my our friend Hermo Sherry at Iran Alive, the Husepians who we also partner with with the Voice of the Martyrs, and you know, uh, you know, and enabling the underground church, giving them resources, you know, Bibles, discipleship material, of course, uh, through the internet, and you know, I've met people that have been impacted by Iran Alive Ministries and the television they're doing there, and now they're in Canada, and God is using them, man. We We see what the Lord is doing, and we should be encouraged by that. But also our Mm -hmm. hearts are saddened and broken because of what we're also seeing. Now, you were recently uh, in Turkey meeting with Christians, mostly from Muslim backgrounds. um, And now they're facing potential, you know, to be deported back to Iran. Explain, Afshin, what is happening right now?
1: Okay, so... um... Greg, I, I try to stay away as much as possible from politics, but I find it interesting that it seems that, uh, that as the Turkish government has been walking more toward an Islamic regime, not and walk away from a secularism, it seems like it seems to have a closer ties with the Iranian government. And as the Iranian people around the world, like in Canada and Germany and every other country, uh, came out to the streets in demonstration in support of the people in Iran and uh, to raise uh, awareness around the world for saying, hey, it is time the West and other countries would stand with the Iranian people. Uh, The same thing took place. I mean, uh right the, the reality is uh we the Iranian people cannot win over the Iranian government if the the rest of the world does not put the life of the Iranian people as a priority and does not recognize the life of the the, the worth of the life of an Iranian and they keep doing business you know what i mean So in in Turkey, when the Iranians got on the streets, the government seems to have now uh, focused solely on the Iranians and uh, arrests, uh, doing interviews that are not really uh, justified, uh, giving them rejections and immediate deportation back to Iran. There are a lot of Iranians being uh, arrested and sent back to Iran as we're speaking in Turkey. But it seems the number of the people that I'm hearing every day people are getting arrested, the number of the people that are getting arrested, 98% of them are Christians, Muslim converts.
0: Now, are they Muslim, just to interject for a sec, are they Muslim converts from Iran that have left the country or have some of them come to Christ after leaving Iran and coming to Turkey?
1: We have both of them. Uh, It's very hard for us to know uh, who was in Iran and converted in Iran. They came out and we have uh, a brother, Javad, uh, whom we have been trying to, to sponsor. I mean, Javad was in Iran, in prison for uh, a while as a a minister of the gospel. And they release him uh, from the prison. And the day after, they run him over with a car. And so his leg has got some 26, 30 plates in uh, in his legs. And they told him, if you don't leave Iran, we will kill you. And so you will join Haik Hosepian, as you know, you said the Hosepian brothers. So, uh, he's been in Turkey for eight years in a limbo. Uh, he has got letters. He has got, I mean, he limps. You, you can see all the torture signs uh, when he was in prison and everything, the, the ways I mean, but they, they won't interview him. They won't do these things, and they have just left him in a limbo for eight years. And, and the guy is just literally suffering with no financial help, nothing, nothing, nothing. So the, it's, it's, and the, the story of Javad is multiplied 100,000 more. You know, it just, we literally, every single day, we are having so many people that, uh, two of our church leaders in drop zone, they were literally in one day, they were told to come uh, to police station and they uh, immediately arrested. And now they are in the camp close to the border of Iran, uh, facing deportation. When one of them actually is married to an American citizen and they have done all the paperwork, he's waiting for his visa. But because he, he, they were uh, active uh, leaders in the church, they want to deport them to Iran. So, and, and this is happening.
0: And what would happen to them if they're deported back to Iran?
1: Yeah, best case scenario. Let's say we, the, the Lord protects uh, them and closes the mouth of lion, and they would not kill them. Uh, they will be in prison. They'll be beaten, tortured. They, will be, uh, they, they, w- they won't be. They will. want to take every little information. Who were you working with? Who are the people that were coming? What was happening? They want to they get in. Iranian government is first and foremost interested in much information because they want to see all the networks. They want to close the loops. They want to know how is the Bible getting to Iran? They want to know what is happening. What? How many people have come to Christ? Because it's an Islamic regime, right? And they don't want that.
0: So when you go to Turkey, you were recently there, and again, we have to be careful with what you can and cannot share because of security issues. We don't want to get you or our brothers and sisters in Turkey in any kind of trouble. But when you go, what are you? What is your goal when you uh, travel there and you're talking to these believers?
1: First and foremost, the, the simplest of things, to just remind them, we have not forgotten you. Mm. Um, Greg, um, they just keep saying, they feel forgotten. They feel forgotten by the rest of the body of Christ. And the question is, I mean, when we cut our finger and the rest of the body hurts yes how can so many of these Christians be stuck in Malaysia in Indonesia in in Turkey and we are not doing anything yeah. we, we are we we seem to be uh, in our own bubbles doing our own things I mean, You're not asking for money. You're not asking. You're saying, hey, guys, you guys can make a difference in the life of a family. and These guys are not going to be without problems because imagine most of these guys, when they come to Canada, they will have post-traumatic syndrome, you know, because they have been traumatized for eight, ten years. They've been eight, ten years nonstop in survival mode. And, and, but, can we stand in front of Jesus and say, yes, I heard, I heard from the show uh, what's happening, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I didn't feel like I need to do anything. What would we say to Jesus when we're standing? When we say, hey, I saw the naked, I saw the hungry, I saw the thirsty, I saw the persecutor and I did not do anything. And that's my question. So yes. we go there and we tell them, you have not been forgotten. Yeah. And they say, what can we do? We have been stuck here. Uh, uh our landlords are kicking us out. They are raising the rent as soon as we know that are, we are Christians. We don't have work. We, if we have work, we go to work. Many of them work illegally. And when they work illegally, the boss finds out they're Christian. They don't pay them. They kick them out without paying them
0: and there's nothing they can do they have no recourse at that point
1: they cannot do anything um. they cannot do anything so they said this is our financial this is, but united nation has literally shut its doors and, and in united nation i don't understand this united nation has decided to allow the local police in turkey the Muslim local police department to do the interview and see if a person that is a Muslim convert deserves protection from the United Nations. When the Muslims have the theology that anybody that lives Islam deserves only death, not protection. Oh, no. And their blood is holy. So, how... I, I'm completely dumbfounded. I don't know what to do. So, we, yeah. yes, we bring food. Yes, we bring uh, clothing. We, we, we try to do, but the need is way more than what we have been able to provide. Right. The hope has been the greatest thing we have done. The message of the gospel, being persecuted for the sake of Christ has been a source of the strength for them to endure.
0: Yeah, it's it's so hard. And and I mean, I've been involved in, you know, somewhat in the church sponsorship of Christians, persecuted Christians, primarily coming from Pakistan, from Iran. Uh, your good friend, my good friend, uh, Pastor Thomas Campbell of Zion Apostolic Church in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I was there last fall, there was a fa- two families actually had just come from Iran and I was speaking that Sunday in the church. I met them at the airport. It was, we just knew it was a God thing. And then oh, be able man. to welcome them in. And I had some friends that were visiting uh, from Northern Ontario, and they're now getting involved in sponsoring a family uh, from Iran as well. But that is just so, in, in terms of numbers, yes, for every family that gets brought to Canada, they can settle in, they can have freedom, but it's just so few in number. Uh, but that yeah. doesn't negate that we shouldn't do something. Uh, so, Afshin, what can uh, Christians in Canada do to help our brothers and sisters in the country of Iran and also those that have left the country and they are in places like Turkey?
1: So the people of Iran, you know, that what we can do literally for every Iranians that helps is this. How is it that we put... a? Uh, uh, We put an embargo on on the Russian government and we seize the money of all the people connected to the the Russian government. How come such a thing has not taken place uh, for the Iran? It's It's a good question. It's really strange. It's really strange. You really want to do something by putting more sanction on the government, not selling them, I don't know, medicine. That's not going to hurt the government. They don't even go to the doctors in Iran. They'll be in the best planes and they'll be in best countries getting treatments, you know? Right, yeah. So that's not going to make a difference. You know, making energy costs and all these things, that's not going to... What really hurts is this. These government people, in any government, they are are just putting the money in their accounts. And the money in Iran is not going to matter because they know sooner or later they have to leave. Their money, their children are in Canada, United States, European countries, and not one of the accounts of these people have been seized. How come?
0: That is a good question. I mean, and when you have uh, the Ukrainian uh, plane that was shot down, admittedly by the Iranian military, Uh, Mm -hmm. dozens of Canadian citizens, and many of them uh, were from here in Edmonton. And I actually went to the memorial service and, you know, they say the government does certain things. And, you know, it was recently again, another anniversary of that plane going down, but when it comes to it, they just don't act. And, and there's a part of us goes, well, I'm not going to rely on the government, but we still have governments. We still pray for our governments and we can still pressure our governments to do something and i know this mostly is a spiritual thing and we're going to pray in a moment but uh you know we we can call our members of parliament we have that right we're still yes. a democracy in canada right yes
1: yes i uh, i tell you what uh governments may not want to listen to people but when it matters the when the votes when it comes to numbers yeah, yeah. if they the christians if we go to our neighbors They may not believe in Jesus, but if we tell them, hey, guys, we're using a petition to force our MPs and members of parliament, MLAs, you know, to vote to seize the money of the children and the leaders of Iranian government that are in Canada or in the United States, we want to seize that money, and we want to see how we can use that money to help the persecuted people, the people that are affected, the families of those people. I tell you what, every Christian and non-Christians would sign that petition. Everyone would sign that because it's something good. And and number two, the prayer for the government works, but uh, also as as Christians, if we start praying for the people of Iran, for wisdom to know how and what to do, because uh, we don't want them to just do reaction, but we want them to have a heavenly plan to do something. So we want to support them with the angels and protect the children and the families, you know. That is one thing we can do for the people in Iran. uh, But there are people that will, in this situation, come out of Iran and there are people that are outside of Iran. We can talk to the government because the government of Canada is taking some 450,000 people this year, almost Mm -hmm. 450,000 people. How can you not give a hundred thousand to the the Persian people? The ones that have been waiting seven, eight years to be legally brought into a safe country. Why can't you do that? Why can't we talk to the government? I mean, if the government of canada was here to give cyrus call 10,000 people we don't 10,000 people per year we can make a huge dent yes and we will we we don't want finances from them we don't want finances we don't want anything we just want the numbers if we can get them to say hey we will give you 10,000 uh, 10,000 uh, visas per year we can bring people we will finance them we will bring them there. I know that the other refugees will stand together other churches will stand with this program we can start from the very the, the very uh, leaders that their lives are in ventures the families that are their lives in venture first bring them out of that venture zone so we we just literally need right. The governments to process this because it seems like with the with the Syrian war, with the uh, pe- uh, problem with the Taliban, with the problems with with uh, Ukraine now, the hmm. people uh, of Iran and Afghanistan have been completely forgotten. Yes, and they have been literally in the back burner for many many years.
0: Yeah, that's and it's sad because I mean we care about what's going on in Ukraine. We care about what's happening in Afghanistan. In fact, I met a Muslim family at a church I was preaching at recently here in Edmonton. Uh, they're, they're coming to the church because there's a food bank and they're hearing yeah. the gospel. And, and I had mentioned Afghanistan and Iran while I was speaking and uh, had a nice conversation with them. And these are professional people as well. And we know that Iranians have really helped uh, you know, this country of Canada, uh, some of the smartest people. Uh, you know, that I have met. Uh, there are a lot of smart mm-hmm. people in Canada, but many of them have yeah. come from Iran. And, uh, you know, church sponsorship, again, is something that uh, that's very important. Uh, I'm going to put your information so people can contact you uh as well and uh with the voice of the martyrs uh we don't do church sponsorship per se uh but our work is you know you know strengthening the church in countries like iran that's why we work with the josepians uh and with iran alive and other ministries that are working in the country uh but as a concern you know Christian in Canada uh, helping and, you know, being kind of the go-between in a sense of helping our brothers and sisters get to Canada because, again, uh, they provide, uh, you know, just such an incredible part in our nation. They add to it. Um, Afshin, before we go, we talked about it already. The most important thing that we can do is pray. Can you lead us in prayer, brother?
1: I would love to. I would love to. Lord God, you You love the world so much, you gave your only son. Maybe that was more than just that moment of history to make a path for salvation. Maybe that was a display of what we need to do that is setting a standard of how far we need to go to see the salvation of somebody in need, somebody in bondage. There was nothing you were not willing to do to see a soul saved, a lost sheep found. And today, Father, I pray that there will be hearts all over that they will hear this message and their hearts will be moved by your Holy Spirit not by manipulation not by anything but by inspiration of your Holy Spirit and they would say we want to get involved we want to do something we want to raise awareness we want to come and see these refugees we want to go to Turkey and, uh, and then Indonesia and Malaysia and other countries. We want to see these families. We want to hug them. We want to tell them. We are praying for them. We want to just do whatever we can do. Maybe buy, buy a bag of clothes or bring uh, and bring some food for them or something. But also, we want to see what we can do to to find us a place for these people that they can finally call that place home yes lord. we want to have something to do with that we want to partner with your holy spirit we want to partner with your father so that the day of the lord that we are standing in front of jesus The Lord Jesus would say hey you did not stand by as you saw the naked you saw the hungry you saw the thirsty you saw the people without refuge you saw the people in prison you did something Mm -hmm. you showed my love you were my arms you were my heart you were my tongue and you spoke life in darkness and you brought hope in the moment of hopelessness father please allow us this year this is the beginning of the year allow us in 2023 a greater uh greater effect father so uh, that we can just partner with you yes Lord. please do not pass us by daddy yes we want to partner with you in this ministry we want to do something that changes the life of people for many generations. Lord, we just want to release a a blessing upon the people, the the persecuted church. Mm -hmm. Today we spoke about Iran and Afghanistan, Father, the Persians. Our Father, many of our brothers, Arabic background brothers, other Kurdish background brothers, There are other brothers and sisters that are from Muslim uh, background, Father. We pray uh, a protection over them, Father. We pray your spirit to come and comfort them. And we pray that your heavenly angels will come and create a path to safety for them, Father. Father, we want to bless them we want to bless them father we thank you daddy for the salvation that we had so if you had not revealed yourself to us today we would not be here and we would not have seen the truth about you and we could not have partnered with you so we want to thank you for the salvation and the gift you gave us we bless you, Lord. We want to live a life that brings glory to you. Yes. In Jesus' mighty name.
0: Amen. Amen. Afshin Javid, thank you so much. Um, wow, I just so appreciate your heart, your love for not only Iranian people, but God's people and Muslims and those that don't know yet Jesus and all that you're doing, and um Dan, I look forward to being with you again uh, in person lord willing here in Canada or Germany or wherever we might meet.
1: Lucky and, lucky.
0: Uh, yeah and and we're going to continue to pray. Uh, I remember watching uh, an interview that you had done in the US and uh, I just your 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 passion is so infectious and uh, just being around a guy like you just uh, encourages my heart. I you carry a lot of joy uh, when you share your testimony there's a lot of humor but there's also a lot of tears uh, because we do have the joy of the Lord, and yet we feel that that burden. I know Jesus said our you know burden is light, but we do fe- we do sense that because we care about our brothers and sisters. I mean, the Bible's clear, and I quote this often. You know, if we're a part of the body of Christ, in Second Corinthians twelve twenty six, if one part of the body suffers, the church, God's people, we all suffer together. And and He has talked about as well remembering those in prison, uh, Hebrews thirteen three. Uh, that it's not just sort of, well, I'll remember them when I get around to it. No, this is, this is to be active. And then in a part of that, yes, we, we pray and we did that and we'll continue to do that. But as the Holy spirit moves on our heart, what can we do in a practical way? And, you know, as you're listening and as you're watching one thing, I just want to make sure you don't get overwhelmed by the needs, but you can help one family. You can help one person. Uh, and that's yep. that's just the way it is. There are hundreds of millions, billions of Christians around the world. But if we're all doing our part, uh, then God is glorified. Because it's not about me. It's not about F. Sheen, yeah. It's not about any of us. It's about Jesus. So I uh, so appreciate you, brother. And uh, we're going to look forward to having an update and what is going on there. And as you're listening or watching, if I could ask you to do me a favor, uh, can you rate this podcast or even write a review? And that way people will hear about it. And really the important part is, is that people are praying and people are helping. Uh, Afshin, you're also an author. You've written a book called As Easy as Drinking Water, A Muslim Forgiven. Uh, is that still available?
1: Yes, actually, uh, we were talking uh we had some issues with my my website and I think they want to put it back up but they they told me that I can uh yeah if they send me an email and uh, you have my email if they send me an email we can provide that book uh it's in now translated in a couple of different languages you know so we would love to uh to send a copy for you guys and of course That would be an amazing support for us to keep on doing what we are doing here. So that that would be lovely.
0: Okay, we'll put your, again, your contact information uh, on the uh, show notes or the episode notes of Closer to the Fire. Again, brother, thank you. God bless you.
1: Thank you for having me. May the Lord bless you and everything you do and uh, everyone and all the brothers and sisters in Canada. Blessings from
0: Germany. Ah, well, blessings back to you, brother. And uh, again, we will be keeping in touch. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.